1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Kazenza here with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, bringing you happening headlines and water cooler chat, whatever, whatever you want to call this episode. We've called it a number of different things, but happy to have all of you with us again as we comb through some of the headlines. We're going to focus in mostly on the trade deadline stuff today as it has come and gone on this Tuesday afternoon, early evening for some. And uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have sat rather idle this weekend, uh, or this week rather, and up to the trade deadline coming up here. Not a ton of moves with the trade deadline, a couple, including one really high-profile one with uh, the Rams and the Denver Broncos. So that's something to watch there, but uh, overall not a ton of big moves, but some within the division, some rumor mill stuff within the division, we'll get to that too Good to see everybody here. Again, if you are new to this one, we kind of comb through. We we usually focus in just kind of on a broad spectrum of headlines. Today, we're going to focus in mostly on the trade deadline stuff and what has happened with the Cincinnati Bengals or what hasn't happened with the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, this is one of a few different shows that we offer you on the Orange and Black Insider, including this one, our deep dive analysis show on Wednesday evenings, and of course... Listener questions live on Fridays, post-game shows, all kinds of different stuff, interviews, all of that. And we are part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel as well as Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk brought to you by Coach Matt Minnick. All of that is on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel where you can download that or subscribe to that on your favorite audio Streaming platforms, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the the major ones, and of course, you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. So, uh, look, um, hey Antoine, what's up, bud? That's a very nice thing to say. I'm gonna try and get to. I'm gonna try and get to Las Vegas. Um, in uh, in a couple of weeks, we're, we're trying to make things work. Got to figure out uh, childcare and all that kind of stuff. Very nice comment from you, sir, and great to hear from you as well as all of you. Um, seeing a lot of familiar faces, some new ones, and uh, good to, good to see everybody here. Whether you're joining us on the YouTube channel live or Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, appreciate or Twitter accounts. However, you may be watching it. Appreciate you tuning in. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals kind of took one on the chin this weekend against the Jets, losing by three points. The only Their three losses are only by three points a pop, so they're not really getting blown out by any stretch of the imagination. And all of those games, not only have they been one-possession games, but they have come down to, essentially, the absolute wire. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Zach Taylor... Continues to have struggles in one possession games as the Bengals head coach. I think we're something at 415 and 1, 414 and 1, something of that nature in terms of one possession games since he has been the Bengals head coach. So not too great on that front. And the Bengals lose what should have been a winnable game. A lot of issues on Sunday that were visible. Bengals slept walk through portions of that game, uh, poor tackling. Or game plan. A lot of different issues um, were, were going on there, and uh, you know I said this in the in the post game, and there's going to be more in the good, bad, and ugly post. I, I just finished writing up for Cincy Jungle. There's going to be a lot on there about you know complimentary football, and if you look at kind of how the drives went when the Bengals got opportunities from their defense on the very rare occasion they did not step up. So kind of a tail of the tape along with many other issues there, but like Kevin Jones says on to the Browns, before we do that, let's talk about some of the headlines on cincyjungle.com and on Twitter that I can share with you about the Cincinnati Bengals. Unfortunately, we've got some bad news here where the NFL stays firm and this is on cincyjungle.com. I will put this in the live chat for you all here, uh, the NFL stays firm and does not admit a mistake with the Mike Hilton penalty, the helmet-to-helmet contact. So they are digging their feet in the sand, and they are not budging on the fact that this was um, some sort of issue uh, and or a bad uh, a bad call here. Here is the – I guess I could zoom this in here. This is a, a tweet from um, – athletics jay morrison so i will zoom that in here but essentially what is being said here this is um from questions by paul daner jr to the referee pool here and i'm going to share this with you here bear with me to the referee pool here um talking about and hopefully you'll be able to see this the the font on it is a little small but i've got a zoomed in picture for you here in case you have not seen it here it is um, the referees here, question. Can you talk through? I will zoom it in further for you, see if we can get a little bit for you there. Um, can you talk me through the personal foul penalty called on Cincinnati's Mike Hilton late in the fourth quarter um, and what you saw in making that call? Rollstatt, who was heading up that crew, said the line judge had the unnecessary roughness. It was Cincinnati number 21, who was Mike Hilton. And the foul was for lowering the head to initiate contact. So that is going to be a use of the helmet foul. Were you at all, this is a question, were you all discussing this? Uh, When you were all discussing this, is there any condition, uh, consideration that the foul uh, was being on the offense? Normally in that situation, there is only a couple of officials looking at it. We were not looking at that. I don't think there was a way, there was any discussion about the offense. The call was to, or on the defense. What should a defender have done there to avoid that call? How do you avoid that? I'm not here to verse you on how to tackle properly, but the rule is that you cannot lower your head to initiate contact on a player with your helmet so he can hit him with his shoulder, I suppose. Did it, the question, did it seem pretty clear for you guys? There wasn't much conversation. Uh, There was, there wasn't much conversation or debate about it. Yes, we had a short conversation, but felt good about it. So that is uh, sorry about the font there. It's a little little small, but essentially, the NFL and the referees standing by that decision, that controversial decision of, Getting giving the Jets a first down on a third and eleven, a stop by Mike Hilton, where he was uh, just a couple of feet off the ground, where it was his head in terms of making a tackle, went low on the defender. NFL is and, and the referees are are doubling down on that decision. There, look, I I think if you if you see the consensus opinion around the league, whether it's with Bengals fans or in the national media, the consensus is that was a a poor call, and that's being. Generous and and kind about it. I think that's. Uh, I, I also had a problem with the Berrios touchdown play. You can read more about that on a post that's going up on Cincy Jungle soon. Um, some some people may not may have forgotten about that or don't think that that has much merit. I, regardless. The referees did not cost the Bengals the game directly. They they impacted the game and they impacted the Bengals' ability to potentially come back, tie, come back and, you know, whatever the case may be, but the Bengals made a myriad of mistakes throughout this entire game, self-inflicted that caused this game to even be as close as it was. They blew an 11-point lead midway through the fourth quarter. So, you know, you have to you, you have to also place blame on the Bengals themselves for where it was, but the refs uh, made a poor call at a very critical jun- juncture in this game. And, and it, it really did impact the the outcome. But again, the Bengals and their play dictated a lot of where this game went as well. So that, uh, as, as we kind of continue on with... Um, what else is going on or or the aftermath rather of the Cincinnati Bengals loss to the Jets 34 31 on Halloween. And uh, here are the snap counts giving you kind of some interesting uh, looks at things here. Uh, This is on CincyJungle.com as well. You could see here, Trey Hopkins getting a hundred percent of the snaps and uh, not, not a great showing by him. Unfortunately good showing by the tackles. The offensive tackles, they both graded in the 80s for pro football focus. We'll talk about that in a second. Trey Hill got in there uh, briefly for the Jackson-Carmen injury. Uh, waiting to hear more how that plays out this week as well. Mike Hilton in there for 79% of the snaps. Awuzier in there for 99% of the snaps. He had a rough game as well. He wasn't the only one, but uh, arguably the worst game by him as a bangle and came in a game that just they could not afford to have him play poorly because they not many others were playing well. And so his, unfortunately he, he was not being masked there. Uh, Eli Apple, hundred percent of the plays. He also struggled, had some struggles as well. Trey Hendrickson, 77% of the plays drew uh, cam sample, 26% of the plays, Sam Hubbard in there, 86% of the plays. Um, Khalid Kareem getting his first action as an edge rusher there. I believe he was, was it him or sample that got flagged with the, uh, roughing the passer penalty regardless uh 14% of the snaps just 12 for Kareem in his debut back DJ Reader out there 69% of the snaps and had a solid day at least from Pro Football Focus metrics Larry Ogunjobi 74% Tupo in there 37% BJ Hill in there who has been pretty quiet uh since the first couple of games where he had a few sacks um Pretty quiet from B.J. Hill since. Logan Wilson out there, 95% of the snaps. He accounted for three of the team's 15 missed tackles on defense. 15 missed tackles on defense as credited by pro football focus. Unacceptable. Jermaine Pratt had an interception, uh, was out there 67% of the snaps. You see Marcus Bailey out there, 5%. Davis Gaither out there, 24%. Um, Jackson Carmen played most of the game. You see the other linemen, uh, basically all the linemen played hundred percent of the snaps with the exception of Carmen who missed 7% of the snaps because of that injury um, kind of scrolling around here, mixing at 77% P Ryan at 25% yet. He did not notch anything in the stat column be it rushing yards or, uh, or maybe I'm sorry. He did have a re- uh, reception there, but uh, minimal day from him. Ricardo Allen, uh, just 11% of the snaps. Von Bell, Jesse Bates, 100% each. CJ Uzama, 86% of the snaps. He got a couple of receptions late. Drew Sample in there, 36%. Uh, Tyler Boyd in there, 80%. Jamar Chase, 95%. Kind of a rough day for Chase in a number of different fronts. We can talk about that in a second. T Higgins out there, 77%, who had a pretty good game himself there. So you can see what they were what they were doing on offense in terms of the snap counts and what the game dictated for them. Uh, look, Jamar Chase had two drops early. I mentioned that he had one, one was off a ricochet early. He had one in the end zone that just dropped. Um, and uh, you know, he wasn't the only one immune to issues on offense. There's a lot of inconsistencies. Again, kind of comes in spurts and then s- extreme dry spells. The Bengals in general were never really able to recover from that drive at the beginning of the game when Jesse Bates. Did not get the ball into the end zone on an interception. Got it down to the one-yard line. Bengals, I think, netted minus 14 yards and zero points on that ball that started at the Jets' one-yard line. And they were never really able to to recover from that and were never the same from that. However, I mentioned this. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I mentioned this in the post-game show where the Bengals' leaders showed a united front at at the press conference. Um, I believe this was yeah from Kelsey Conway. They came out there. uh, They came out to the podium. I'm not going to play the video, but essentially talked about, you know, it's still a close knit team. Uh, It's unacceptable what happened today, but we're coming out here and showing accountability. And and uh, I haven't really seen, especially when you see the single podium there, haven't really seen this in the NFL where guys kind of share the mic and share the podium. Um, It's a cool gesture. I like it. But, you know, again, they were saying and and doing supposedly the the right things this week leading up to it to avoid a trap game, and it didn't do them any good. So uh, words are hollow. However, uh, this is a nice gesture, particularly after a really tough loss and one that it seemed like a lot of guys were angry. You heard about Joe Burrow slamming his helmet down on the bench at one point in this game and other guys being pretty angry as well. Uh, Zach Taylor talked about how losing stinks in, in some post-game press conferences. So, and that they don't want to be a part of it (laughs) anymore. So, uh, you know, these guys are, they're saying, they're saying the right things, but they have a gigantic one on deck as the Cleveland Browns come to Cincinnati in an AFC North matchup. We've got a little bit on the playoff picture coming up here. So, uh, we will talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, there, there were it was kind of the perfect storm here in terms of what the Cincinnati Bengals ran into on Sunday: three straight road games, a, a, an opponent that was starving for a win, a quarterback that they were playing that uh, you know had limited pro film on on him out there, first career start, and. You know, Cincinnati also their execution, their effort, it was just it was pretty poor. It was pretty poor. And I think, you know, a lot of those guys would would tell you that. Let's continue on with some pro football focused scores. And I got I got my boy Andrew Russell, and he, he followed me. Andrew Russell followed me. He hadn't followed me, so he followed me back this weekend, thankfully. So Andrew, keep up the great work on Twitter. We we appreciate all the stuff that you are sending us here. Riley Reef, 82.4 is your top. Graded Bengal on offense versus the Jets. Jonah Williams. So you see the top two guys are, are your are, are your tackles. So pretty good stuff there. Tyler Boyd with a 76 grade. Interest, I'd be interested to see kind of how they um, formulated the the thing, the miscommunication play in the end zone that resulted in an incomplete pass. And obviously Burrow was pretty upset about that. Uzama was in the area. Boyd was there. And it just seemed like another miscommunication there. Joe Burrow, 75.4 is your fourth best, fourth highest graded Bengal on offense, Quentin Spain, 73.6. So those are your highest graded on offense. And, of course, we will go to the same great Twitter follow, Andrew Russell, uh, for the highest graded players on the Bengals defense per PFF. Uh, Von Bell, your highest at 89, had the forced fumble and fumble recovery. DJ Reader, 83.3, continues to just be in that 80. Point range, a very, very solid, solid player and pickup for the Bengals. Mike Hilton at 77.9, despite the issues with the Bengals defending the pass this week. Josh Tupo in there at 76, and then Trey Hendrickson at 62.5, kind of a feast or famine day by Trey Hendrickson, and really a lot of the Bengals, particularly as it pertained to the pass rush on that afternoon. So those are your top performing Bengals as of uh, as of yesterday for the Sunday performance I'm seeing some questions here any updates uh, boosted gaming any updates on the Carmen injury we're waiting to hear more obviously when the injury reports come out this week we will be finding out more about that the concerning thing for me I believe Jackson Carmen had back surgery before the draft um, and then it looked it looked like a lower back injury that happened there maybe it was just a little bit of a you know a hyperextension or what have you of the back. It looked pretty ugly, but the fact that he was able to get up under his own power was, it was a good sign. So um, we'll see what happens there. Some news, um, uh, s- some news should be coming out with the injury report, et cetera. Um, but regardless, the Bengals did not make a move. We'll talk about that. Did not make a move um, at the trade deadline. So, That's something to to note. Now, before we transition into kind of the the second half of the season here, because now we're at 17 games, Uh, Bengals have played eight. They sit at five and three. Um, Here are kind of a midway point, I guess. You could also do it after next week if you wanted to do that. But through eight games, this is from Pro Football Focus Cincinnati Bengals. Account, the highest graded Bengals through eight games. Minimum of 200 snaps. DJ Reader. Has an 87.4. He is your highest-rated Bengals player by Pro Football Focus Metrics. Joe Burrow coming in at number two at 87.1. Chase coming in at number 380. Uh, 81.3. Joe Mixon coming in. And Joe Mixon, you know, even though there's been some inconsistencies on in, in the rushing yards department, he has stepped up in passing uh, in receiving and you know every once in a while he had a rough start to the pass blocking but he and samaj p ryan drew sample we've seen some decent things of them of late picking up blitzers so you like to see that he has an 80.3 grade and von bell your uh, your only uh your your second uh, your only member of the secondary but your second defensive player on the list within the top five 76.5 Seventy-six point five grades. So he is proving to also be a great, great acquisition in free agency for the Bengals. While I mentioned that the Bengals did not do anything at the trade deadline, there were maybe some rumors that they were looking around at some stuff. Whether that was a cornerback, an edge rusher, I don't know. Um, our, our buddy Malik Wright kind of hinted at some stuff. So I, you know, we we have to fi- see more here if this stuff has some grounding. I'm sure we'll be hearing more as the week goes on in terms of, you know, if the Bengals were, were, you know, searching around for some deals here, but regardless T Higgins insisted that the Cincinnati Bengals And if they made a trade for another outside player, that that player would be welcomed with open arms to quote, I guess, a, a little bit of a creed. <laughs> if you, if you remember that wonderful band, a creed, uh, I don't know, lyric, I guess. But anyway, uh, the trade did not happen, but Higgins said that the locker room culture and bringing in someone from the outside could have paid dividends and they would welcome them, uh, Mike Petraglia, with the tweet here. And here is the – I'll put the link in general for the Cincy Jungle article in the live chats for all of you. Um, You see here, Mike Petraglia, we would welcome him with open arms. Bring him into the family. So, considering and calling the Bengals locker room a family is T. Higgins. And that's really been kind of part of the the mantra and the the culture that Zach Taylor has been wanting to build there. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, did not make a move at the trade deadline. I, I kind of have felt that Trey Flowers was kind of the ad hoc trade deadline acquisition, even though he was a waiver wire pickup. They wanted a little more defensive back help. He hasn't really given them much in terms of snaps and whatnot since they acquired him, but I feel like that was kind of their move. Maybe they'll go and look around. Uh, some other people have been um, released recently, so maybe they will look around at some other options, but that is what kind of what we're looking at here. Here we go. Uh, the As the Bengals are getting set to take on the Cleveland Browns, this came through the wire just a little bit ago from Mike Petragli again. Bengals depth chart for week nine. And you can see that here. Uh, Jackson Carmen is listed as the starting right guard there. So um, and Trey Hopkins, despite some struggles, is still the starting center. Uh, you know, you've got some some other things. You see Samaj P. Ryan still backing up. Joe Mixon is the number two running back. Chris Evans uh, did not play last week. And really not many other surprises other than, uh, you know, maybe Eli Apple still being up there at the top of the cornerback list, but still there are a lot of injuries they are dealing with there. So not much movement, but that is the depth chart as of November 2nd and going into week nine, courtesy of Mike Petralia who is, uh, we, we had him on the show a few weeks ago. Great, great listen and a great guy covering the team. We um, we appreciate his time there. So uh, go go give him a follow if for some reason you are not following him. And in case you needed any kind of idea as to the importance of this game and what it means to the AFC North, uh, as was announced last week, the broadcast crew for Bengals versus Browns is their quote unquote A crew. You've got Jim Nance, you've got Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson on the sidelines. So uh, the, the big guys are coming and gals are coming to Cincinnati. Their they're A team, A crew is coming to Cincinnati to, take, uh, to watch this one. And it is a biggie. Browns are four and four, Bengals are five and three, and it is going to say a lot and the trajectory of both teams' seasons and the playoff picture. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So uh, that is from Jay Morrison there in terms of the playoff picture. We're going to get and transition into some AFC North news, particularly as it pertains to free agency trades, all that kind of stuff, as well as some of the headlines around the NFL as it pertains to trades. Before we do, I want to remind everybody about the cool thing going – we have with symbol s-i-m-b-u-l-l and the website symbol.app backslash obi and of course the spelling of it s-i-m-b-u-l-l and if you use the promo code obi short for orange and black insider you get to take advantage of a really cool promo that they are doing if you are a new customer with them and you deposit up to five hundred dollars into your account that deposit is protected for 90 days, the first 90 days upon signing up. So if you go sign up, you make some transactions, maybe you lose a little money and you say, hey, I'm out. They're going to protect what you lost in the first 90 days of signing up. That's how confident they are that you can make money and you can be a savvy investor. Even if you lack the confidence in yourself to be one, you can be a savvy investor. And Symbol, of course, is the place where you can buy teams and shares of teams like they are stocks so go check out symbol simbull.app backslash obi use that promo code obi and take advantage of that 90 day deposit protection of up to 500 not a lot of products are saying that right now so go check that out and go make yourself some money whether it's on the cincinnati Bengals, whether it's on another team maybe even another sport because they don't just stick to the nfl Go check it out. Take advantage of that promo and use that promo code OBI. We are happy to be partnering with Symbol once again, even though their CEO is a Packers fan, and I'm sure he relished in the Bengals' lost to Green Bay a few weeks ago. That's okay. That's okay. Kenneth's a good guy, and uh, we'll, we'll forgive him for that. But Go check out Go check out Symbol and the promo they've got going.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Well, a little bit of drama in Cleveland, and that seems to be the MO with some of the personalities on that team. Odell Beckham Jr. His dad uh, apparently was showing, and this is by Jake Trotter, who is with ESPN. I think Jake mostly specializes in covering the Browns anyway, but his dad... Posts a video showing Baker Mayfield not passing to Odell Beckham Jr. There's other things about he's had some comments on other Instagram posts talking about the lack of chemistry between the two. And there was some talk that Odell was going to be traded before the deadline. Well, the Browns quickly shot that down a few hours before the deadline was over, saying we're not going to trade him. But this makes for continued fuel to the fire of a talking point that there is a rift between Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield. Now, of course, they've got the Bengals on deck and the cynical Bengals fans like myself will say, oh boy, this is just just what the Bengals need here. But we're, we're still thinking we've got some different Bengals teams here despite what happened last week. But here you go. This is a little difficult to see how it's shared because on the ESPN article, it shows it sideways, but... I think you can kind of get the picture. You can go on Instagram and see it. Uh, I'll put the link here too in the live chat. So you can go to the ESPN and kind of click the links, the ESPN story and click the links yourself there. But you can see here, Odell Beckham Sr. is circling his son, showing him open and the ball is not coming his way, etc. Uh, and you know, there's all kinds of different things. Like I said, some other comments that I had seen here's Odell Beckham senior, generally behind the scene, but not today. I'm a father before anything. And, you know, all these different hashtags and, um, you know, showing that, you know, there's some issue with Baker, not wanting to get the ball to Odell Beckham junior. Now it has, you could, I don't want to say it's been a failure in terms of the trade of Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns, but it has largely not worked out. It has largely been, uh, you know, some there's been some injury stuff. There's been some ineffectiveness, and hey, I've seen I've seen a couple of drops by Odell as well. So it's kind of a two way street here a little bit. Uh, I see Sterling Sherwood in our Facebook chat says Odell ain't that guy anymore. Yeah, he kind of hasn't been that guy for about three years or or maybe even more. So, uh, you know, still an effective player, still a good player. But, um, you know, the, the the chemistry there is just off for whatever reason. And it is not uh, it's not doing what, uh, you know, it's not doing what the Browns have hoped for in terms of conducting that trade. Jarvis Landry has been a nice acquisition, obviously. But, um, you know, you, you you kind of expected more out of this. And then you've got kind of this, quote unquote, headache and and Odell's father coming a little bit out of the woodwork there and uh, taking Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense to task through social media. So um, at any rate, very kind of some drama coming through there on the Cleveland side of things. And, of course, some more Browns news. Uh, They're coming off that ugly loss to Pittsburgh where they are not doing things on offense, only scored 10 points, turnovers, lack of offensive rhythm, etc., are is plaguing this Browns team right now. And there's an article on clevelandbrowns.com that says the Browns are striving to quote, make the most of all of our opportunities on both sides of the ball. Um, And so, you know, this is from Anthony Poisel, great first name there. Uh, And, and, you know, Kevin Stefanski seems to be one of those really kind of young and innovative coaches in the, that, that are kind of making the NFL fun right now. And uh, that, It's been a little bit of a mixed bag of late in terms of offensive performance. Obviously, Odell Beckham Jr. has had some injuries. Uh, I think both shoulders are injured for him. Baker's got the the injured left shoulder as well. So there are some embedded excuses. But uh, again, you see, quote, we have to make the most of our opportunities. I've seen some really good moments from this group. I know what we're capable of. We haven't done it consistently. um, And uh, we haven't done it consistently, consistently enough was kind of some of the words here that Stefanski used in a recent press uh, press conference talking about the issues with the Cleveland Browns and what's been going on in their offense. So not, it hasn't been great showings by this team and what they're, what they're potentially truly capable of, but uh, you know, they are working to get things right. And especially, With this game coming up here with the Cincinnati Bengals, they are hoping to make a difference. The Bengals, of course, coming off of that deplorable, deplorable defensive effort against the Jets where tackling and everything was seemingly an issue. I've got some more sunlight issues for me uh, where I'm recording. If you're watching the video this time of year and this time of day when I record this, I always get this. I don't know. Holographic look. I don't know what you would call this, but, uh, anyway, I apologize if I look a little odd. That's just the sunlight and the, I don't know, the (laughs) earth's rotation. It's out of my control folks. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to try to do different things at any rate. Uh, I'm going to continue sharing some items here with the AFC North. And this is a trade, uh, some trade news with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, after, signing him late in free agency. This is on NFL.com. The Steelers send Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick. Um, you know, the Chiefs are a really interesting team because they, uh, and, and the by the way, the sixth round pick is for next year. It is a 22 sixth round pick. Uh, the, the Saints are an interesting team. They just won yesterday to put them back at 500. They have some Issues galore themselves. I mean, they are a shell of what they've been over the past couple of years uh, in terms of what they're doing on offense, in terms of you know how they've looked in a lot of different respects. So they are obviously trying to do some different things to provide a spark. Bringing in Melvin Ingram could help, uh, even from a rotational pass rush standpoint, and and going on there. But uh, Ingram was dissatisfied with his playing time in more recent games, wanted let the Steelers know about it and wanted to let them know that he wanted to be traded before the the deadline so that he can go somewhere and hopefully to a contender to get a little more playing time and be a part of that. So the Steelers obliged his wish and sent him, after signing him in free agency this year, sent him to the Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. So um, that is uh what what's transpiring a little bit in Pittsburgh there after they go to they go to, uh, I'm sorry, they pick up the win against Cleveland there this week, I'm trying to pull up more news here. Um, so why why was Melvin Ingram so dissatisfied? Well, that was because the Steelers a few weeks prior picked up another former first round veteran, pass rusher and taco charlton and they like what taco charlton is giving them this is on steelers.com and uh this this shows you a bit of what and i'll put this in the live chat for you folks as well um taco charlton is a guy that they felt made aside from you know kind of the dissatisfied dissatisfied nature of melvin ingram they felt that the taco charlton is the guy that's going to help boost things a bit um and you can see here Uh, And then of course, Alex Highsmith, their pick last year, Um, actually reminder, go back and and look at some of our archived videos. We actually interviewed Alex Highsmith prior to the draft. So really nice kid. Uh, I I went into that interview or I came out of that interview. And after researching his style of play and where he went, I said, watch him go to either the Ravens or the Steelers. This is a prototypical edge guy, uh, outside linebacker type for those teams. And Lo and behold, that's where he went. Regardless, the Steelers are very comfortable with letting him go. Uh, as uh, they've got Taco Charlton in the mix here, so they feel that they've got um, they've got a good uh, grasp on what's going to happen here in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush getting guys healthy. TJ Watts coming back and making an impact. We know that. So um, that is something that they felt that they could do based on everything else. So Taco Charlton's going to get more looks here while the Chiefs pick up Melvin Ingram. Let's keep going with the Baltimore Ravens here as we continue the AFC North whip around and some of this. Not Too much of huge news with the Baltimore Ravens coming off the bye here. By the way, there's nothing better than if you're a team that goes on a bye and all of a sudden you end up gaining ground in the division and in the AFC playoff picture like the Baltimore Ravens did, thanks to both the Browns and the Bengals losing this week. So uh, the Ravens quickly activated Chris Westry to return to practice this is courtesy of Ryan Mink at BaltimoreRavens.com, who's been making a little bit of waves in the Bengals community on Twitter So, uh, with some of his recent comments. But at any rate, the Ravens activate Chris Westry, um, and he's coming back to practice, and he suffered a knee injury in the opener, uh, and he is a cornerback helping them. He's a big cornerback, 6'4", 199, um, and hopefully helping them shore up some of the defense, especially with what the Bengals did to them in the passing game just last week. So that is a, an acquisition that they have made or a roster move that they have made. And of course, we've talked about this a couple of times when talking about the Baltimore Ravens in, in the past couple of weeks. Patrick Queen has been moved to the weak side linebacker spot. Old friend Josh Bynes manning the middle, and this is on Baltimore beat down our counterparts, in the SB Nation Network, I will put this link in the live chats as well. But basically, the he- headline from Josh Reed is, Patrick Queen is embracing and thriving in his new reduced role. Um, so he is playing better when he is kind of playing more ins- instinctive football instead of thinking a, b- a bunch. But here, to, here's the, the source here from PFF Baltimore Ravens. Patrick Queen, the first five weeks, 29.0, lowest among all linebackers in his overall grade. The last two weeks, a 90.5 grade highest among all linebackers. So the move is paying off definitely for the Baltimore Ravens. It may be a little bit of a take one on the chin in terms of their first round investment, showing some struggles in the role in which they initially envisioned him. But uh, if, if they're able to get more effective play and better overall defensive play from the unit by making this move, obviously kudos to them. So Patrick Queen is doing some things to help out his team in the move there. We're going to transition to some NFL news. We're going to primarily focus on trade news here. I, I know there's a lot of different stuff going on here, but you know you may, we talked about the Chiefs getting uh, a – getting Melvin Ingram in a trade there. And uh, here is a little bit of some interesting news, the Rams. Well, let's start. I was going to start with one piece of news with the Rams, but I'm going to start with the one that came across earlier here. This Von Miller gets traded to the Rams for two draft picks next year. The Broncos also eat most of Miller's 2022 salary. So Now uh, the the Rams are kind of in all in mode as it goes with their team this year. They are in the playoff picture right now, uh, you know, so that's that's in there. Obviously being in the same division with the Cardinals, they are behind them. But the Rams making a move for Matthew Stafford and now making a move for Von Miller. They made moves previously for Jalen Ramsey and they they don't have very many. I think they've got two draft picks next year. So um, they are really trying to go all in, if you will. So Von Miller gets traded to the Rams for two picks. Um, The Broncos eat most of that salary. And here's here's the caveat to those picks that the Broncos are stockpiling. They are undoubtedly trying to have those to package to move up in next year's draft to acquire a quarterback in the draft there. That's, that seems to be what they are targeting to do, but Von Miller going to the Rams and uh, making kind of a big splash there. Also with the Rams, a disgruntled Deshaun Jackson. uh, And he says he is parting ways with the Rams here. This is his Instagram post and this is via Ian Rappaport. Um, He he kind of said, you know, I'm just not, I don't know, not digging it here. I'm not getting the the touches, whatever, but he should be on the open market here. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Had a couple of big plays, but overall, the impact has been largely minimal, especially with Cooper Cup getting the lion's share of of catches, et cetera. So uh, Deshaun Jackson is not going to be with the Rams anymore, so we'll see what happens, and if a team wants to pick him up, I don't think we should expect the Bengals to. But stranger things have happened, I suppose. But Deshaun Jackson, looking to be a free agent, um, could not obviously find a trade partner there. Let's We usually flip it a little bit. Uh, actually, no, let's, let's keep going with the trade stuff. Let's go with the trade stuff. We'll end on the other one. Um, trade and or roster news, free agency news. Here is one here from Nick Shook on NFL.com. After a few, a few weeks ago, the Cowboys, surprisingly to some, let go of Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, of course, was the guy who had um, a, a devastating knee injury, who probably would have been a top five, top 10 pick in the, in the draft in which he came out, had the knee injury, fell to the second round, um, was basically had, had a red shirt year and then came back and slowly started to play pretty well for the Cowboys until of late, after he signed a big contract and uh, his his apparently his knees were just not working with him. Um, so Jalen Smith then signed with the Packers, and the Packers now release Jalen Smith after two games. So he is uh looking for another home. I don't know that he will find one going forward there, but the uh, the Packers released Jalen Smith just after two games of having him. There's some kind of not great film out there about it. And uh, that's, that's what we've got here. Chiefs making another move as well. Just uh, aside from the acquisition of Mel Ingram, they trade Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Hopefully I am pronouncing that correctly to the jets for tight end, Dan Brown. Um, so the, um, the, DuVernay Tardif did not play last year because of the COVID-19 he decided the pandemic. He decided to set, sit out. And so the Chiefs now get a, a, another tight end. If you watched last night, it was a little bit of a rough game. Kelsey made some plays, but he also had um, a, what was that, a fumble or a drop. And then the other tight end had penalties. And I, there was just stuff going on with the tight ends. Now, obviously, they are set with Kelsey, but they probably also want a guy that can block a little bit. And of course, can add to the pass catching repertoire there. So the Chiefs trade a, an offensive lineman and uh, get a tight end back from the Jets in return. So that is another trade that occurred before the deadline here. The we the Bengals can kind of and their fans can kind of do a victory lap on this one here. And what I mean by that is all offseason, we had heard how the Bengals did not do right by Joe Burrow. They did not do right by uh, the team, by not investing more heavily in the offensive line. And even last year, some people wondered if Joe Burrow was going to be the best quarterback in the class, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We we heard it all. Well, now all of a sudden, not even a year, well, about a year and a half into the whole thing, um, the Miami Dolphins are ready to give up on Tua Tagovailoa for Deshaun Watson and all of the issues going on there. But they had a framework of a trade in place, but that never worked out. Uh, undoubtedly, it would have been, you know, picks and Tua and all kinds of stuff to the Texans from the Dolphins for Deshaun Watson. Uh, but they it, it never materialized. And these lingering legal issues the ramifications of that, if they acquired the player, and it turned out that more heavy stuff was coming down the pike, um, the uncertainty with that, that kind of caused the trade to be dead in the water. So there was, there was a, a you know something that was there in terms of a framework. There was discussions, all this kind of stuff, and they just could not see eye to eye. Obviously, Watson facing twenty-two civil lawsuits with with kind of some. Uh, you see alleging sexual misconduct so um at, at any rate th- what does that mean not i mean obviously there are questions with Deshaun Watson going forward and what that means for him and his NFL future things have to play out there but what does that mean for the dolphins and their seeming lack of faith in Tua as their franchise quarterback basically year year a full year into him starting a year and a half into his pro career. Uh, So now the dolphins have a lot of questions to answer. They have to really kind of rebuild, I think some faith into a, and Oh, by the way, their offensive line is a mess. So go check that out. But at any rate you have to, you have to kind of wonder what the fallout is from this supposed trade talk and what the dolphins are going to do in their quarterback situation going forward. Maybe Tua gets dealt um, closer to the draft next year. I don't know, but the Dolphins are now one of the worst teams in the league record-wise, and uh, they are not—they're not doing very well, and they're not doing right by the quarterback that they drafted. Um, they kind of drafted him, and then I don't know—they—they <laughs> they didn't seem to show a lot of faith in him. So I, I don't—I don't really know what to make of that. Uh now we're kind of getting into other other news before we before we do one last scan of the trade deadline and rumors and all this kind of stuff. This is on CBS Sports here, just a little bit of a, a trade deadline tracker, and I do want to uh, put this in the live chats for you as well. I think I think these little live tracker things are pretty cool and valuable here. So this is on CBS uh, live tracker. Um, you can see here. Uh, Broncos are sending rookie cornerback Kerry Vincent to the Eagles, so that was uh, that was there right before the deadline. Um, we, we talked about Vaughn Miller, uh, we talked about Duvernay Tardif. Um, I think there were a couple of others that we didn't really uh, didn't really address. You see Vaughn Miller getting there to NLA, LA, uh, so a lot of Vaughn Miller stuff, but a couple of other pieces of info and uh, other other things there on this on this article but um, kind of some rumors, some acquisitions, trades etc. So go check this out on CBS Sports. really though we covered most of the biggies that occurred before the trade deadline there. Um, but go check that out. Here is an interesting one. We're going to close up with a couple of others. The offensive rankings, um, you know, David Carr is no, has no short, uh, shortage of hot takes and quarterback takes, et cetera. Uh, he writes, uh, obviously he does some TV work too, but he writes on NFL.com that the jets can help Zach Wilson by staying with Mike White. Uh, so he, he, Cause it calls him, you know, all kinds of different nicknames and whatnot, but, uh, he is talking. You see here prior to the injury, Wilson flashes arm talent, but struggled to find any sort of consistency from game to game or even drive to drive. Um, and it begs the question when Wilson is ready to play, should the jets immediately turn back to him? Um, I will say dealing with quarterbacks is tough. It's not like baseball where you can pull a starter after two innings. If he's having a rough night, sitting a quarterback does something psychological to the player because he was brought in to be the leader and typically is the leader that said white handled being thrust into the starting position extremely well. Saw a lot of encouraging things from white on Sunday. He had good footwork and good vision and manipulated the Bengals' top 10 defense. Although it was his first start white looked prepared. Um, so he he talks about that, and obviously Carr comes from a um, uh, being a number one overall pick, and being a guy who, as a rookie, got beat up because of poor offensive line play. We heard all about that with the Joe Burrow stuff. Um, so you know he kind of comes with it with a different perspective, but he kind of thinks that maybe rolling with Mike White and letting Zach Wilson not only heal up, uh, but but kind of seeing, I don't know seeing things from the sideline might be actually long-term beneficial for him. Go, go check out that article. Let's end with some power rankings here and see where the Bengals have fallen after this one. I believe this is from Pete Prisco. Yes, it is on CBS sports. So the Bengals are going to be on here and uh, we'll see how far they have fallen. I pulled this up. I have not actually looked. Truth be told, um, I, I sometimes like to be surprised like you all on some of these articles. Green Bay, top of the top of the heap there. L.A., number two. Bills, number three. Cardinals, number four, falling three spots. Um, the Saints climbing huge after the big win over Tampa Bay at home. You see the Bengals fall out of the top ten and at number 11. Uh, and, of course, the national storyline. I, I will give the national media a bit of credit. And how they handled, it seems, initially, the, the loss for the Bengals. Um, yeah, there was a little bit of this sentiment that I'm going to tell you in just a second. But there also seemed to be a lot of, man, that call at the end of the game was brutal. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, bad, bad referee type of stuff um, that, that came out of that game. And, uh, you know, so at any rate, the the snippet that Pete Prisco has for the Bengals, he has him, has them dropping four spots. Uh, They just can't handle prosperity after blowing out the the Ravens. How can they lose to the Jets? The defense wasn't good. But the the good news, as we all know, the Bengals have a good, good chance at riding the ship in an important, important game in the AFC uh, North and in the AFC playoff picture. Actually, just to update you, because um, we – when we took the air on Sunday afternoon, the slate of afternoon games were, were not complete. So we didn't give you a fully accurate playoff picture. We're going to do that in just a second here. I'm going to pull this up. But an, an uber important game for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns need to get a win to feel right about where, where their team is headed, etc. And uh, you can see here things shook up. Quite a bit. The left is the AFC bracket. The right is the NFC bracket. You can see here, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed. However, they just lost Derrick Henry for uh, what seems to be the season. Maybe he comes back for the postseason, yet to be determined. Foot injury, had surgery on that, apparently went well. So uh, another headline I guess I could have spent a little more time on, but Derrick Henry... I'll say it now. This provides a good opportunity. Uh, Had foot surgery, injured his foot in the game on Sunday, but uh, had foot surgery and seems to be done for at least the regular season. Regardless, the Titans have the number one seed. The Raiders are the number two seed. The Ravens are number three. The Ravens did not do anything, did not play a football game and ended up climbing up the rankings there. The Bengals go from number one to number five. In terms of seeding, they fall four spots um, as the number five spot. If it were to end today, they would be making the playoffs as the top wild card team. But look who's right behind them, the Steelers at number six, the Chargers at number seven, they just lost. And you've got a number of teams here, the Browns being there. So all of a sudden, the AFC North is just all over this playoff picture. And this game coming up Sunday against the Browns, um, you know, it, it, it it's, it's going to say a lot for both of those teams. And I think that the Bengals being back in that home, in that home stadium will have a profound effect on how they play. But uh, the, I don't know, and the Browns are a little bit messy here. Uh, you see Sterling Sherwood here. Um, this NFL news about Odell's dad definitely going is definitely going to detract from the game coming up. I think. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. But regardless, here we here we are down here. Bengals sitting at number five. You've got the Steelers right behind them. Remember how we were all writing them off? I wasn't, by the way. But the Steelers right there. And then, you know, you've got a number of teams based on what, you know, four and four, four and four, four and four, a lot to sort out there. Um, and the Browns kind of in the thick of it as well on the bubble. So at any rate, that is uh, what we've got going on there. A little bit of a fall from grace up. Oh, you know what? I'm going to also, before I get us out of here, at least I should talk about the NFC portion of the playoff picture. Right. Um, So let's go back to this real quick. The Packers, after beating the Cardinals, are number one. The Cardinals are number two. Cowboys with a big win with a backup quarterback um, there. And then, uh, you know, all kinds of different uh, seating here. Saints with a big win. You've got some others down here. So, uh, look, I mean, the Bengals have an opportunity to keep climbing back up into things. Um, and they have a, a big divisional game going going forward there. So, um, at any rate, big week, Battle of Ohio. Hopefully, the Bengals take care of business as, uh, hey, Vegas thinks they should. As of right now, the Bengals are favored in that game. So, at any rate, everybody, I hope you all had a fun and safe Halloween with friends, family, whatever you did. Hopefully, you all had fun despite what happened earlier on Sunday. Have a great rest of the week. We're going to be coming at you tomorrow with more on the Orange and Black Insider. We're going to have listener questions live. We're going to have fantasy football with our buddy, the Orange Arrow. And, of course, our post-game show that we always have that's on any number of platforms, including our YouTube channel where you can subscribe. I think it's right over here, right there. You can click that and subscribe there and then hit the bell to be notified when we go live. And of course, on all of the major audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of them, check it out. We appreciate the support and have a good rest of the week. We'll be seeing you a number of different times on this program, as I said. So be here for the live recordings of it or check it out afterward. Thanks, everybody.